Welcome to Tea Time with Mary. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm a former bikini fitness model turned self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hey friends, before we begin, I just wanted to let you know that this podcast episode is sponsored by my favorite books. Not literally, but I did create a book list for you with all of my favorite books for self-love and body image and self-confidence and just overall self-healing and growth. I am a huge personal growth person. And to be honest with you, a lot of the things that I talk about come from the books that I've read. I'm a big reader and I always tell my little sister, readers are leaders. And I love audiobooks. I love book books. I love Kindle. I love all the forms of books. Just give me all the goods. So I decided to create a book list for you with my top 25 favorite books. And I actually add to this list. So there's probably going to be more than 25 books on it. But I have narrowed it down to top 25 books that you need to read to start the self-love journey. I'm not saying you have to read all the books right now, but you should have this list handy dandy for when you're getting a book on Amazon or shopping in your Audible or whatever. So I've created this book list and you can get it at maryscupoftea.com slash books. And I will also put it in the show notes. And let me know how you like these recommendations by screenshotting what you're reading and tagging me in your Instagram stories. I always love seeing you use my recommendations. It just makes my whole day because we're like a little community. So anyways, maryscupoftea.com slash books. Go get it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mary's Cup of Tea, the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here because I am feeling completely re-energized to create this podcast into what I want it to be. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but there wasn't an episode last week because I was feeling some podcast shame (laughs) and just getting insecure about the content that I'm creating on here and how it's coming out and if I like it or not. And I just got so in my head. And I'm telling you this not because I want or need you to be like, no, Mary, the podcast is amazing. Although I appreciate that so much, especially when it's in the form of Apple and iTunes reviews, because those really help the show. Um, And when you send me a message, it's just the sweetest thing ever. And it does keep me going. But the biggest reason that I'm sharing like this part of the process with you is because I want you to know that behind the scenes of a creator or a business owner or anyone on Instagram or anyone you listen to or look up to or admire, not saying that I'm that person, but whoever you are looking at, there's just so much more going on behind the scenes. And I know this is such a cliche thing to say and you're like, okay, Mary, I get it. Not everything is what it seems. But seriously, like the intricacies of somebody's mind is just beyond amazing. And it never fails to just shake me up a little whenever I hang out with my friends, especially my friends who I consider really successful. And then they share with me like what's going on behind the scenes, whether it's like with their marriage or with their business or with their team or with their family, like all of these things. It's just so much. And without sharing 
too many details because this is not the topic of our podcast today, (laughs) but I have been going through a lot with um, my family and the emotional work that I'm doing in therapy and trying to grow Mary's Cup of Tea, not just the podcast, but other aspects of it and having to cancel retreats and needing to shift everything and then also dealing with the zoo of Instagram. Like there's been a lot and I don't share everything and I just really appreciate you for understanding that and giving me the benefit of the doubt that if I slip up or I don't tell you the full story or you catch me on something, like, please know that it's never malicious um, and it's never because I don't want to. It's usually because I can't share with you. So anyways, (laughs) all of that aside, I had a meeting with my social media manager And she really like pumped me up because she's actually an avid listener of the podcast. And then we ended up working together. And she was like, Mary, people love your solo episodes. Um, And to be honest with you, as much as I appreciate hearing a good guest, a good guest, I personally like your solo episodes more because I feel like I get to know you more. I get more out of it, more advice. And I'm really listening to the show for you. And that was really eye-opening for me because I've received that feedback before, but I think in the podcast world, there's a lot of pressure to like always interview a new super cool guest. And I'm like, what would my podcast be like if it was just the Mary show? Um, And yeah, I don't want it to be like this. I don't want it to be the Mary show. I want it to be about you. And I want to provide that in whatever way is best possible. And so far, it seems like the episodes with with just me where I'm talking like this have been the most impactful. So that is what we're going to do more of. Um, Starting now, we're going to do three solo episodes a month and one super cool guest per month. And that also takes the pressure off of me to find a new guest every week um, because it's honestly a lot. So anyways, that's just the minor change that's happening to the podcast. I hope you like it. I hope you enjoy these solo episodes. They're probably going to be a little bit shorter than the ones with guests, but they're going to be a lot deeper because I'm just going to sit here and talk to you about whatever topic is at hand. So today's topic, all that aside, today's topic is about navigating holiday eating and a change in routine. The reason why I wanted to do this this particular episode is because right now, I mean, this whole year, we have been living in such a strange time and we all have such different routines and we're adjusting to this quote-unquote new normal. And especially like the month of December with holidays coming up and with a lot of people like doing finals and finishing school and just their situation becoming more different than it has been. I think that it's a big trigger. Like any kind of change in routine is a huge trigger for food and body image struggles. And especially around the holidays, because most of the holidays revolve around food. Now, whether you're seeing your family or not, chances are like there's just more sweets around. Um, There is more like people that you're probably connecting with. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been talking to more people lately, which is such a great thing. Like I've been FaceTiming my friends more and I've been mailing out holiday gifts and I've just been like spending more time with family. So there's more people I've been talking with. And with that also comes an influx of opinions. And I recently found this term called an extroverted, no wait, an introverted extrovert. 
I've always considered myself just an extrovert. But then when I saw this, an introverted extrovert, it's basically like you're selectively social and you can be really, really social for an extended amount of time. And then afterwards, you're just like a little bit drained. That's kind of how I feel. Um, Anytime I have like a lot of social interaction because I start, you know, overthinking the conversation and I'm like, oh my God, what did they think? And what happened? And what did they say? And it's just like a lot going on in my head. (laughs) So all that to say, I know that this time, holiday time, pandemic time, Um, finals time, like all of this can trigger so much food and body image stuff. So I just want to give you like three of my best tips, things that I've been reminding myself of through this season of life. Side note, you know, it's going to be more than three tips. I always say three tips and then it's like 20 things. (laughs) But first I wanted to tell you just my personal experience with this. Uh, When I lived in Canada, I was actually, after breaking up with my ex, I started living alone. And if you don't know this part of the story, it's kind of hard to connect the dots because there were so many moving pieces and puzzles of my recovery journey. Um, But I lived in Canada with my ex-boyfriend and he was there during a lot of my recovery journey. And one thing that was really great about him is that he didn't Um, he didn't care for diet culture. Like he was really big on let's get all the food and let's eat and take as much time as you need. Um, And he was just so patient with me and kind in that regard. And after I moved out of his place, I started living alone. And that was a huge struggle for me because not only was I a broke-ass college student in lots of debt, but I was also living alone in a country not my own with no family and basically no friends. And especially after going through as hard of a breakup as we did, I just felt really alone and really lost. And I was also a junior in college, I think, maybe a sophomore. I think I was a junior. I was a junior in college. And so I was getting into those upper level economics classes and those were so demanding. And school in Canada is a beast. I mean, it is something else. I went to school in the States and Canada, but in Canada, like it whooped my butt. And it was just like a lot of things going on. So long story short, I felt like I had my eating disorder under control. And it's so funny. Whenever you hear that thought, like, I feel like things are under control. That's like a red flag that you're still seeking control. Um, But anyways, I felt like, you know, things were going well. And then I started living alone and trying to pay rent and working three jobs. And one of my jobs was working until 2 a.m. at a cocktail lounge and then walking home. And I would come home completely starving after like an eight-hour shift and being on my feet all day and in the cold. And I worked as a hostess, so I was near the door. And it was so cold, you guys. I can't even tell you how cold it was. This door would open and it was like freezing air. And they would make us wear like short black dresses with, I mean, you could wear tights in the winter, but still like it was not enough to stay warm. And for me, like when I'd get home, I remember just being so triggered and shook because of the bullshit that I dealt with at the cocktail lounge uh, with my boss and with drunk people and with men and then walking home alone at night and not being able to afford an Uber and then not eating for so long and just the whole thing. It was just a really low time of my life. I mean, I made it through um, and I don't like regret anything, but it was just like a difficult time for a 19 year old. (laughs) And 
I remember coming home and I would get home at like 2.30 a.m. And I would stay up until like 3.30, 4 o'clock just eating, just catching up on eating because I had skipped dinner. And then at the same time, I didn't, I couldn't afford like a lot of food and there was no grocery store in downtown and I didn't have a car. So I could only shop at like the little convenience store near my apartment. And, you know, you can't stock up at the convenience store. Like this is not like taking a Costco or a Walmart trip to stock up on groceries. This is like you're getting crackers and like bananas. Um, And so I, I remember just like eating bread. And then it was like the holiday time and then you'd come to school and a certain teacher would have like, I don't know, cookies or cupcakes or something. Um, Or somebody would bring donuts. I don't know, like holiday stuff, right? And so like this time of my life, it was just like rough. Um, And then I'm like, okay. And I finally decided to move back home to Arizona because I'm like, what am I doing here all alone in Canada, in the cold, when I have a loving, supportive family back home in Arizona. And I was really nervous to come back, but I decided that family over everything, like I need this. And so I I transferred back, which was another bitch to transfer back um, with like school and everything. But then I started living back at home. And when I was living with my parents, it was like, it came with this other host of problems when it comes to food. Like I remember if I was like kind of binge eating when I lived alone around my family, it was like the complete opposite. Like there was a lot of food, the fridge was stocked. And so now I'm like kind of secretly binge eating or I'm feeling, um, you know, scrutinized or just, just feeling weird about living at home. And then, you know, final exam season and you're eating lots of like packaged convenience food, right? Or you're like ordering pizza with your friends and then finals are over and you start celebrating with alcohol and more food. And then there's a holiday party and there's even more food. And then you're seeing family and they bring up food and diet comments. And it's just a lot to deal with. And so the reason why I'm sharing with you like all these different times of my life is because I just want to highlight that it doesn't go away. Like, it doesn't change. And sometimes we idolize, and I don't mean, like, the eating disorder doesn't go away. I mean, like, sometimes we idolize, like, oh, if only I had this type of life, or if only I had more support in my life, or if only this, or if only that. And we're always kind of, like, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Like, when I was living alone, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to live with my family. Then when I'm living with family, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to live alone because that'll make me feel more in control. And then when there's finals, you're like, oh, I can't wait for finals to be over and to have more time to myself and get in a routine. And then finals are over and you're like, oh, what next? Now I'm lost in life because I have nothing to keep me going. (laughs) And so what I'm saying is that these types of feelings, they all come from our thoughts about the situation. And more often than not, unless we're really conscious about the thoughts we choose to believe, more often than not, we're always going to be looking to the other side for some kind of solution. It's that mindset of, when I do this, then I'll be happy. When I lose weight, then I'll be happy. When I get my own apartment, then I'll be happy. When I make money and pay off my debt, then everything will be okay. And we're constantly like living in the future. And the reason why I'm talking about this when it comes to navigating holiday eating, I promise I am getting to my point. 
The reason why I bring this up, like different phases of our lives and how we feel about them, is to empower you to realize that the answer lies in changing the way you see the situation. The answer does not lie in changing the situation itself. On the contrary, maybe being a little bit more present in your current situation, even if it's painful, even if it's stressful as fuck, even if it's tough, and I see you, like so many of us are going through a hard time right now, even if your situation is shitty, I'm not saying we need to like love every minute of it, but just being present in it and realizing that this is the phase of life that I'm in. This is where I'm at right now. And you know what? It sucks. <laughs> you can totally admit that to yourself, validate your own feelings, but I am not going to try to escape, not escape it. Like, of course you want to get out of it, but I'm not going to glamorize what life is going to be like when it's over. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to romanticize some future that doesn't exist because you still don't know what it holds for you. You know, you still don't know if all your problems will be solved once you achieve whatever goal. I mean, sure, things may get a little bit easier in some regards, but every situation just comes with its own different set of problems. So I always say, like, it's not about solving all your problems. It's about picking the problems that you want to deal with. So this kind of bleeds in. That was just the intro, you guys. <laughs> See how long I talk? Um, this bleeds into my first tip that I wanted to highlight, and it's about embracing the seasons of your life. And when I mean embracing, I mean really being present with them and really having compassion for yourself and knowing that whatever it is that you're going through, it will be over one day and you will look back with a mix of emotions. But a lot of the times we look back with this weird nostalgia. Like as I'm telling you this, this story of what life was like in Canada, I have so much love for that 19-year-old Mary who was working three jobs and going to college and just left her really toxic relationship and was all alone in the snow in minus 40 degrees Celsius weather. Like looking back, it brings up a lot of emotions for me. And guess what? None of those emotions are hate or regret. None of them are negative. All of them, I'm not saying they're positive either, but all of them are just very like, I wish I knew then what I know now. I wish I could travel back in time and tell her that everything's going to be okay. And there's also so much light in her life then. Like I had some really solid friends that I got so close to and the experience of working at the bar was, I mean, something that I needed to experience. And school, like I worked my ass off and I learned so much and I'm so grateful for that education as hard and as just ugh, exhausting as it was. Like when I look back, I'm like, I wish I had more compassion for myself. I wish I was a little bit more present. I wish I made the best of it. And I do think I made the best of it. But sometimes we look back and we think, hmm, I wish I was just like a little bit more in it. Does that make sense? Like, I wish I was just more present. So embracing the seasons of your life is recognizing that everything in life is seasonal, that this too shall pass. So whether it's your body fluctuations, that's seasonal, 
or the food thing, like seasonal holiday treats. Those are seasonal too. And we should just enjoy them while they're there. And that's a metaphor for everything in life. I was talking to my good friend, Leslie Ann, um, over voice message a couple a couple days ago, and she attended one of my retreats in San Diego. And uh, we were talking about body image stuff. And I was also telling her about how I'm just not that motivated to hustle and grind lately. Usually I wake up and I'm really excited to get to work, but lately my mornings have been slow and sometimes I feel lost and I've been doing a lot of reading and TV watching. And so I'm like, I feel kind of guilty because I should be making the most out of these like three weeks I have left of 2020 and I'm not. And she sent me back a voice message and she's like, girl, just like you say, everything is seasonal. She's like, bears hibernate. Flowers don't bloom all year long. Um, Everything in nature, or like even the moon, it waxes and wanes. Every single thing in nature is seasonal. It has its time and place. So right now, when you're navigating holiday eating or a change in routine, or whatever struggle that you're going through, or even if you're not struggling, even if you're having a darn good time, like even that is seasonal. And the more present we are in that moment, in that season of our lives, the better off we'll be mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and even physically. And we're going to look back and be like, hmm, that sucked. (laughs) But I'm glad I went through that. I learned a lot. It was actually a great opportunity. This made me resilient. This experience made me who I am today. I'm glad I gained weight through the holidays because it kind of forced me to let go of control. I'm glad that there was a time in my life where I spent a lot of time at home and unfortunately a lot of time stressing over food and my body, but I'm really glad we had that quarantine because I got a lot closer to certain people. I was able to build really genuine connection. I figured out who my true friends are. I learned a lot about things that I would have never dove into before, like virology or biology or epidemiology or social justice or politics, right? And I'm just speaking from personal experience. That's how I feel about this year, that as shitty as it was, it also has its blessings. And the more we embrace the moment and we recognize that it's seasonal and it will pass, the more it serves as this unconscious reminder to just be present. So that's tip number one. Only took 20 minutes to get there. (laughs) So if you're a regular listener of the show, you know that I always start with like the esoteric, out there, spiritual concepts. And then I'm like, all right, let's get into the practical things that you can do. So that's what we're doing now. Tip number two, and this is directly related to food and eating, um, especially during the holidays, um, whether or not you're gathering with your friends and family or you're just doing a little thing at home with the people you live with. We all know that you know, there's just a lot, a lot of food out there during the month of December, and it is such a blessing. But one tip that helped me the most during my recovery journey, 
And this is something that I took from my friend Jessie, Jessie Jean. She is a food freedom coach, and she has an incredible program called the Food Freedom Online Program, which has helped thousands of women stop binge eating. And she's all about rewiring the neural pathways in your brain so that way you approach your relationship with food totally differently. So that way you're not triggered into a binge and restrict cycle. And so that you can finally have that freedom and just eat without all the anxiety and guilt and shame behind it. And one of her techniques that that she teaches is called build a plate. And the build a plate strategy is basically Whenever you're sitting down for a meal, and specifically if it's like a holiday meal where there's just lots of options, um, so something like, I don't know, Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner or Hanukkah dinner, (laughs) um, it's really important to make yourself a plate like you're making a plate for someone you love. So what would you put on that plate? Well, you'd probably put a little of everything, and it's not like anything would be off limits, right? You're not going to like give your friend a plate of salad and be like, here, we can't have anything else because we're on a diet. No, you're going to make your friend a little bit of everything, including the really delicious sweet stuff and the salads and whatever else, right? And so this strategy helps you get into the mindset of abundance and variety when it comes to food. So it's really this balanced approach. And also you're consciously bringing in a lot more mindfulness to your your eating. So instead of just getting like a giant serving of salad and trying to convince yourself that you're only going to eat the salad and you're not going to have, I don't know, my stepsister makes these really delicious sweet potatoes with marshmallows on top. So say you're like, oh, I'm not going to have any of the stuffing or the uh, sweet potato with marshmallows on top. I'm just going to have the salad. Then that creates a mindset of restriction. So guess what? You're going to want those sweet potatoes even more than before because you've told yourself no. And what happens when you tell a toddler no? They start screaming. So you're going to be throwing an emotional temper tantrum or your body is going to be throwing one. Your mind is going to be throwing that. And you're probably going to get up again and you're going to get a little bit of the sweet potatoes and you're going to be like, I'm only going to have just one bite. And then after you have one bite, you're like, oh, these are so good. I'll just have one more. And then suddenly you're like, oh, all I want is these sweet potatoes because I tried to restrict them. So now you're just like hyper-focused on that one food that you consider forbidden or off limits. And suddenly it spirals you into like a binge cycle where you're just eating that and then you feel really guilty. So you're like, oh, fuck, I'm just going to have three slices of cake and I'm going to go and I'm just going to eat whatever else and I don't like myself and then you're feeling guilty and ashamed. And the best solution to this is to just from the get-go, build yourself a plate of a little bit of everything. And if you want seconds, you go get seconds, but put it on a plate. Actually, plating your food is something that I always do. And when I first met my boyfriend, he thought it was kind of odd that I was so particular about it. I mean, he's the kind of person, he'll bring home ice cream and he'll just spoon it out of the gallon. And I'm all for that. And I can totally do that on some nights, but usually I like to put it in a bowl. And the reason why I put it in a bowl is because I know myself, I know my history, I know that I struggled with an eating disorder for a long time. So I'm kind of still like, even though I consider myself fully recovered, it's not like the thoughts don't come up, 
you know? So it's really important to continue being conscientious and continue doing things that are going to support you. So for me, like putting ice cream in a bowl instead of spooning it out of the gallon, it just really helps me. And then if I want seconds, I get seconds. If I want thirds, I get thirds. But at least I am more mindful and present with those decisions. And I don't feel restricted in the process. So build yourself a plate. And you can do this for holiday meals or honestly, anytime you eat. I really like to make myself like a colorful plate of a little bit of everything for every single meal. Literally breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I sit down and I make myself a meal or I go get a meal if we're eating out. But usually I make it, right? Like I'm... I. I try to add in a lot of variety and a lot of abundance so that way I never feel restricted. Because remember, the diet cycle is only going to be perpetuated when you start with the restricting aspect of it. So everybody thinks that, oh, if only I can control my binge eating, then I won't need to restrict. And it's like, no, 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 babe. (laughs) If only you could control, or sorry, if only you can let go of restricting completely then you wouldn't even want to binge in the first place. That's the only place where we can successfully break that cycle. So make yourself a plate like you're making food for someone you love. Do this for every meal. I know it sounds exhausting, but it's honestly such a huge act of self-love and self-care when you literally are making a meal for yourself. And I also feel like it has this other side effect of like almost (laughs) reparenting, like in... um. In therapy, they teach you like if, you know, you had parents who weren't really there for you or you had a traumatic childhood, then we have to actively do things that reparent ourselves. And that involves like treating ourselves like our own child. So something like making yourself a plate of food, I mean, that's something your parents would do for you, right? And now that you're an adult, making yourself a plate of food, it's just, it's healing, It is truly, truly healing, and it helps so much with navigating, especially holiday eating, uh, changes in routine, or just eating and food anxiety in general. So make yourself a plate. And tip number three, this is a mindset one. So I'm going back to the mindset aspect, but I want to reframe how we see the holidays. I think on social media, I don't know about you, but on social media, I've been seeing a lot of things about the holidays suck and the holidays are rough and everything sucks and seeing your great aunt Susan is horrible. And I totally get this because like, I I feel it. I mean, I have family too. I have difficult family members. I'm dealing with my own stuff. So I totally get it. But I want to just like reframe how we see the holidays because I feel like before social media, it was like the holidays were a fun time. And I don't know if it was before social media or because we were just kids and everything was fun, especially getting presents and eating lots of food. But aside from that, it just feels like this is not how it should be. I mean, we should not go into the holidays with the mindset of, oh my God, everything's exhausting and, oh, I can't believe I have to get all these people gifts and spend all this money and, oh, I don't want to see my family and, oh, cooking and it's so hard and, oh my God, just pressure and expectations. Like, what if we reframed how we saw this time and we brought it back to what it originally was supposed to be, which is culture and tradition and family and connection and all of those beautiful things. And food also adds to that, right? And so 
I want to give you some reminders that food is also about connection. It's not just about feeding your body or controlling how you look or, you know, trying to compensate or burn off the calories. Like that is not what food is. And we have to get out of that mindset. Food is also about connection. And if you had a huge holiday meal and the next day you feel bloated, but hey, you had like such a good time with your partner, you guys had such a beautiful dinner and it was just so connecting and you laughed and you ate ice cream and cake and pie and whatever. And you woke up the next morning feeling bloated, like it was worth it. (laughs) It was worth it. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. And the other thing is guilt, shame, and anxiety is more harmful than all those cookies you ate. How you feel about what you eat is a lot more important than what you're eating. Like the mindset that you're in, the energy that you're bringing to the table, that is just as important as what you're eating. I would even say more so. And so don't eat whatever you're eating with a side of guilt, shame, and anxiety because we all know that stress is the number one killer. But of course, diet culture isn't going to talk about that. Diet culture is going to put you on a celery juice cleanse instead of telling you that, hey, maybe you should stop stressing out and everything will be okay. And I know I'm totally simplifying it. And for some people, it is more complex than that. And I respect that. But we should not be eating guilt, shame, and anxiety and putting that shit in our bodies either. So stay steady. Stay grounded. That's the word I'm looking for. Stay grounded and remind yourself that as long as you're enjoying what you're eating and you're creating memories and you're building connection and you're nourishing your body and it all feels good, then everything will be okay. Your body got you. And the last thing that I want to make you promise me Put up your pinky right now and pinky swear that no matter what, this holiday season, no matter what you eat, no matter how guilty you feel, no matter how many disordered eating thoughts are coming into your head, please, please, please do not restrict. Promise me. This was the only thing that helped me break the vicious diet cycle and ultimately healed my eating disorder is I told myself that no matter what, no matter how shitty I feel, no matter how tempted I am, no matter how much I hate myself, literally, I'm just letting you into my thoughts four years ago, no matter how much I hate myself, I will not restrict. I will still have breakfast the next day. I will still eat whatever I want the next day. I will not let one meal dictate or ruin my recovery progress. The only way out of the vicious diet cycle is to stop restricting. Okay. So if you want to learn more about this diet cycle and how to break it, um, I believe episode 14, it's called how to stop restricting binge eating, restricting binge eating and dieting for good. I talk about that diet cycle and how we can ultimately break it. Spoiler alert, it always starts with restriction. So I give some tips on how to stop restricting and how to get in a better mindset around food. So I highly recommend you listen to that episode. I recorded it, I think, over the summer. So it's back episode 14. But that's a really valuable supplement, especially if you're struggling with food and body image this holiday season. So 
yay, we did it. A solo episode. Um, I'm so glad you were here for the ride and I hope that this was helpful. Let me know how you like the show by sending me a message, tagging me in your Instagram stories. And the best thing, the most helpful thing for me is if you left a review on iTunes. Even if you don't have an iPhone, I believe you can just search Mary's Cup of Tea podcast Apple and it should pop up on Apple and you should be able to leave a review from desktop. And then if you do have an iPhone, it's really easy. You just scroll down to the bottom and there's the little review section. And I would love to hear how you like the show. Um, We're going to be featuring some reviews on our Instagram page too. It's at Mary's Podcast. And that really helps the podcast grow. And it just lights up my life (laughs) that you like my little rambles on here. So I hope this was helpful. Let me know how you like the show. And I love you so much. Happy holidays. Uh, Happy Hanukkah to my Jewish friends as well. Um, I believe today when this episode will be released on Thursday, December 10th, I think, is the first day of Hanukkah. So happy Hanukkah to all of you. Love you guys so much. See you next week.